ready to create and grow the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. A bigger audience, more impact, and a new revenue stream. We'll show you how. I'm Jenny Barcelos. And I'm Sandy Connery. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Welcome to the Soulful MBA Podcast. I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hey, Sandy. Hello, everybody. Hi. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And today's episode is going to be all about a topic that we call sleuthing. So many of you might not be familiar with this term. We sort of have taken this term on ourselves. (laughs) So that if you don't know what we're talking about, you're going to learn. And sleuthing is all about how to validate a business idea and make sure that before you invest your time and energy in something, that it's something that's properly kind of vetted and validated in the market so that you don't, you know, waste time and money. So that's the essence of sleuthing. So if you're either a brand new business owner and you're just starting out, or if you're about to start building something new, a new course, a new membership site, a new program, a new ebook, um, this is a great episode for you to listen to, to just remember all of the tools and techniques that you can use to make sure that you're properly validating the business idea. And I would just add to that, that I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is that they just create their own business or their own content in a bubble, and they're not talking to their audience and they're not talking to their followers. And that can be a really dangerous road to go down. And when you're finished, maybe nobody wants it and you've just wasted all this time. So that's what we want to focus on today is why and how you should do some research before actually starting your business. And I would say that our clients, which are typical wellness entrepreneurs, they know the general area that they want to teach. They have a passion. They have lots of experience typically, but to drill it down into one course or that first offering is often difficult. So we were always teaching this process to our, to our followers, to our teachers and showing them how it's done. Yeah. And I'll just also mention that we both have coached and mentored other kinds of entrepreneurs outside of the wellness space. We both have mentored software entrepreneurs as well for the past couple of years, actually. And this is constantly something that's come up in in that process as well. And so it's not just specific to wellness at all. It's This is every single kind of business, I think, faces the same thing. Even if you're, say, a restaurant, you know you're going to be a restaurant, you know you're going to serve food, but in terms of what kind of food and what hours to be open and how to, you know, decorate your restaurant and build it out. Like all of that is also part of your product idea. And so this, this is relevant to, again, every single kind of business that I can imagine existing in the world, even consulting anything. So without further ado, let's kind of dive in because this is a little bit of a meaty topic. And I'm going to break down today's podcast into sort of three sections. The first one is kind of why the crowd, why would you look to the crowd to find validation for a business idea? And then the second part of our of our podcast is going to focus on different mindset tactics to help you carry out your detective work. And then the third part is going to talk about like how to actually get data, the hard skills and tactics necessary to go out into a market and figure out what is ripe for the picking. So the big the first part, why the crowd? I think this is, in some ways is obvious. Like, why do you look to a crowd in order to figure out what's validated and, and what you should build? Well, the reason why you want to crowdsource your ideas to some extent is because it helps de-risk them. Um, It helps ensure that you're filling an actual need in the market. It reduces the financial risk from your next project or business. 
And it teaches you also how to craft the copy for your offer. If you already sort of have a hunch, you know that a product idea has been validated, you still want to go out and talk to the market, observe the market and learn from the market because it helps you figure out how to talk about your next project or idea in a way that's going to be meaningful to those people that you're going to eventually sell it to. Um, and then it, it, crowdsourcing gives you immediate insight into your quintessential client's mindset. So you can figure out how much to charge for something. You can figure out how to talk about it. You can figure out like how painful the problem is that you're about to solve with whatever you're building or creating. So crowdsourcing is really, really important. And it's not just about something like Kickstarter or programs like that. Like you can crowdsource anything. I think I just want to emphasize the the pricing side of that. It's a great place to, when you are talking to your audience and doing this research and figuring out what they want to kind of you know, slide that question in, what would you pay for that? Like it's a really, really valuable information that, that you, uh, that you can gather. Yeah. And I also just want to add that crowdsourcing really gives you fresh perspective. So, so often we live in our own worlds and our own bubbles. We, we make what we want to see exist in the world. And I think scratching your own itch is always a good idea in business, but it it's, you don't know how many other people have the exact same issue as you and want it solved in the exact same way. So it's really important to kind of step outside of yourself and your own desires and goals for a little while and start to get some perspective, like get someone else's perspective and ideally, you know, a, a decent sample size of, of other people's viewpoints. And I, I, I'm going to sort of go off a little bit here on something that's kind of strange. And those of you who are in our paid soulful MBA community, if you've gone through the sleuthing module, you sort of have already heard this, but there's a lot of new folks I know listening. And I really like to think about perspective in terms of, you know, not, not just business, but in terms of any kind of new discovery or new ideas that are coming into the world. So there's a lot that's been written academically on the role between things like physics and art. There's a conversation that happened at the, in like 1920s Paris when um, the first commercial air flights were taking place. And there's this beautiful juxtaposition with uh, cubist art and in flight and how it was amazing that that artists like Picasso were, were painting these cubist paintings. And it looked a lot like the earth from the sky and these artists who had, who had individually maybe never even gone in an airplane were so heavily influenced by the shifting perspective of the, of the times. And I just, I say all of that just to point out the fact that I think all new and exciting things that are being built and created in the world are coming out of this work of, of kind of forcing ourselves to have new perspective and to get out of our own minds. So I think we go out, we get inspired, we get influenced by the world around us. And then we go back inside and in our unique gene work with our own unique genius and flow to create something beautiful in the world. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. And I know, I remember when you built this module out and you were like, Sandy, is, uh, <laughs> is anyone going to understand this? And I, you know, and, and we had great feedback on it because I think it is such a unique way to look at building a business and to make that comparison is, is it's really unique and beautiful. So I thought you did a great job on it. Thank you. I mean, and I'll just maybe just say too, you know, Hemingway wrote this again, going kind of a little bit deeper. Hemingway is quoted in a newspaper article from 1922 as talking about this scenario where planes were, were taking off in the sky. And I'll, I'll just maybe read that quote for those who are interested. You can just Google Hemingway Toronto Daily Star from September of 1922 if you want to go deeper. There's also 
a book called Art and Physics by Leonard Schlein, and we'll put that in the show notes. And there's another book called The Culture of Time and Space by Stephen Kern. So if this idea of the relationship kind of between um, new discoveries in the world, whether scientific discoveries or artistic discoveries, uh, is interesting to you around this perspective concept, you can go ahead and find further research. But I just wanted to give you some of Hemingway's words for those of you who are who are also fans of his he is quoted as saying, then the plane began to move along the ground, bumping like a motorcycle, and then slowly rose into the air. We headed almost straight east of Paris, rising in the air as though we were sitting inside a boat that was being lifted by some giant. And the ground began to flatten out beneath us. It looked cut into brown squares, yellow squares, green squares, and big flat blotches of green where there was a forest. I began to understand Cubist painting. And so, you know, that is just... A really beautiful illustration, I think, of something that we've all seen. Anyone who's been on an airplane has had this like really beautiful view of the world from the sky. And I think a lot of us in modern life take that for granted. But a hundred years ago, that was a brand new novel way of seeing the world. And a lot of amazing discovery was happening around that same time as people were being exposed to these new viewpoints. So it's just to reiterate, like get outside of your own head. Talk to talk to people in the market you want to work in. Talk to your quintessential clients and, and ideal customers and go out and, and try to understand the world from their perspective so that what you're building is actually meaningful to them. So anyway, that's the why. That's why crowdsourcing is so important. And I think that's, you know, a pretty compelling set of reasons. And then like just to dig a little deeper, I, I think because most of us are used to operating in our own minds, we we, it's, it's a little bit hard to figure out like, how do I actually step outside of my own, my own thought process to really be open to the feedback that I'm getting from these, these other people or this market. And there's a couple of ways to do this. I think that, that I've worked with not so many folks in our industry, Sandy, like this is more, these are more tools that I would work with, with folks in, in the software space and in the technology space. But there's kind of like three tactics that I've used to sleuth or that I know p- other people use to kind of really get out of their own heads and, and get into the kind of face of their market. The one that I'm most comfortable with is the scholarly approach. So this is just this idea that you can be a scholar. Like you don't necessarily have to start with even talking to people. You can do a lot of research on your own, like really get get down and dirty with like facts and figures to understand the pain points in your market. So for example, you know, we both, I think, have our own stories about doing this, Sandy. But when I was starting Namastream, like I didn't even start by talking to anyone. I started by researching the yoga industry. Like I spent hours and hours and hours researching the market, like trying to understand the experience of what it would be like to start a yoga studio, like what cities were studios taking off in and where were, where was the economy more difficult for a studio owner? Like I did a ton of research, everything I could find. And there are a lot of like, obviously there's Google and there are a lot of like free resources to at the library where you can dig in and do market research. And so Um, that is maybe in some ways easier for business to business like us, where we are actually studying a market. Many of you in the wellness industry are reaching a particular group of consumers, but I guarantee you that like, for example, if you're targeting an aging population or you're targeting new moms or, you know, you're targeting children with, with your wellness work, 
there are scholarly articles, there are medical journal articles, um, there's a lot out there to learn from. So even before you go and start talking to people individually, I would say, I like to say invest like two to six hours at least. It's not that much, it's less than one day. And just researching the group of people that you plan to serve with, with either your business or your next product. And I think that uh, homework, that background work, when you go and speak to these people that you want to, to serve and build a business for, you're able to communicate with them at such a more intense and thoughtful level. And they appreciate it so much more. I remember you and I having conversations with a few others who are building software, and they hadn't done that that previous research. And a lot of their conversation was asking that the person they're talking to about their industry. And to me, that's yeah. really disrespectful. Like just that because we're in an age with yeah. Google, like just do it up front, know who you're talking to, know your numbers, know your facts, know the trends. And then they are going to listen to you and, and, um, you know, ultimately perhaps buy from you so much more likely if you, if you, if you know the industry and they can trust that you're a, you're, you know, really invested in their, in their interest. Yeah. I mean, you're essentially making yourself an expert at something that, I, I mean, I like to think about it when I first started Namastream and I had, you know, talked to 74 studios in, in a few month period. And I was like, as I started to get more and more comfortable with the market, I had done a ton of research. I'd had a ton of conversations and a ton of email conversations, a ton of like phone calls, some in-person meetings. I realized, and I started to hear this from the studio owners and managers I was talking to two years ago that, wow, like I don't know anyone else, any other single person that has talked to more than 50 studios, mm -hmm. you know, like nobody does that. So you, you end up, I mean, that's, that's from talking, but but like, it's the same thing. Like you be, it doesn't take a lot, um, in many cases to become an expert at something because we're all just taking like micro bits of information all day, being exposed to so many things, like to actually invest hours of time or months of time in something, you become an expert. I think relatively speaking quite quickly, if you're willing to put in the work, mm -hmm. um, and having expertise is, is remarkable. I mean, there's a lot of other kind of financial opportunities that can come your way. You can get featured in, you know, on, on websites as a guest blog post writer. There's a lot of other stuff beyond just validating your business idea that comes as a benefit from developing expertise. Mm -hmm. And I, I think like there's this, especially in entrepreneurship, there's this uh, desire. I think that people have to like hack something to like figure out a hack, to shortcut something, to figure out a quick way of bypassing the workload and I, I know this is like a, an ongoing conversation and some people disagree with hacking and some people like this idea of hacking something. Um, and I think obviously like anything, it's complicated and it's there's no one <laughs> right answer. But, you know, if you're going to invest a lot of time or money or both into a new business idea, like I, I really think it's worth investing, you know, your own intellectual time and in learning about it first. Um, so... I don't know. I, I mean, and, and in this day and age with the internet, like it is already hacked, like you spending six hours researching something is hacking it. Like you don't have to go to a library and use a card catalog and spend like two months. You can do it in six hours. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would also encourage those people that are listening to this thinking, I, well, I, I'm in my market. I know my market. When I built my first software company, uh, connectable.biz, I was also in a networking group and I know knew intimately how we operated. And I went on to yeah. interview 34 different in networking groups to 
verified that they that the software that I sort of envisioned would work for all of them. I could have just stayed in my own world and I know this industry, I I'm in it, I know what they need, I know what they do. And and it, it turned out that they did operate, you know, I was correct, but I knew for sure that what I was building uh, they wanted. And also because I had those those you know, phone, literally phone conversations, they asked me so many more questions about other groups and they were so curious about what the uh, the rest of the industry was doing. So it was, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a really, really interesting process to go through. Really valuable. Yeah. And I think it, it earns you respect mm-hmm. to do that, to take the time to, to, it's, it's a way of being generous because you're doing something that I think can potentially be useful to somebody else in addition to yourself. And you're taking the time to learn about someone and something. And I, I've said this before too, and, and this kind of goes into the next point, which is be the observer, which is just interacting with your market or your ideal quintessential clients. But it's from my background, kind of my legal training and my background going through law school and, and starting to become a practicing lawyer. I also think that the lesson I learned from that is that the biggest, the biggest gift I could give anyone as an attorney was to listen to them. Like I, I feel like half of the time someone goes to see an attorney, it's not like a, to get a contract written or something transactional, it's to be heard. Like it's to have somebody's undivided attention that's listening to you and that you're essentially hiring them to have your back. And there's a huge gift, even if like there's a lot of times where a lawyer or a law firm can't solve a problem. Like you can't always make someone whole. Like the, there's there are things in the law that you can do to try to make someone whole. But if, if say, somebody lost an arm or lost a child or, you know, something terrible has happened to them or they are in a terrible accident, um, they'll never recover fully. Like there's this the law, the, the goal of the law is to try to make them whole in some way. And and often you, you can't, right? So you, but, but what you can do is you can be present to someone and listen to them and give them the greatest gift that I think any of us has, which is our time and attention. That's the greatest gift we have to give anything. So I I think as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, you have an opportunity to show up in the world like that. Mm -hmm. And if you do decide to show up in the world like that, it's amazing what will come back to you, I think. And I, I would imagine that most of our, our listeners in the wellness industry are really good listeners because any clinical yeah. practice, any teaching practice, it, yeah. you know, you that's just, that has to become second nature. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's totally true. Much better than kind of the the, the attorney community. <laughs> I think it's not more natural for the wellness community to be good, good listeners. But yeah, I, I I do think though when you when you start a business or you take on something in your own career, you have this like sense that it's mine. It's my business, and you know it's not really like that. It's not really yours. Like you're creating kind of vehicle or a portal or a program or a package or something. And, you know, you're offering something out to the world, but it's not, it's not really yours. Like once you go and create it, (laughs) I don't believe so. Mm -hmm. At least you won't be successful if you hold on to this idea that it's yours and you're kind of grasping onto it with clenched fists like that, that doesn't tend to work in my mind in business and and from what I've seen. Yeah. It's way too fluid, way too fluid. You've got to, yeah. You've got to be able to react and change and pivot and adjust and f- for whatever kind of comments you're getting back from your your customers, your consumers. So, yeah. 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 And just to kind of bring it home, this, the third technique that, that we teach in terms of sleuthing is kind of, it's, this is a little more controversial, <laughs> but it's to be the village idiot. It's to, it's to like, 
intentionally do the opposite of being the scholar. It's to walk into a situation that you don't know anything about, into a group of people that you don't know anything about, and to just ask really, in, in some ways, obvious questions of them. Um, and it's, it's I can't do this personality-wise. It doesn't suit me. And Sandy, it doesn't suit you either. But we know folks who who are successful at this. Like it's just walk, like for example, if you wanted to create a program for new moms and say you've never been a mom and you would just like go into a mom's group and you would ask like walk in there and be like hi how old is your child what is that like what are your issues how does your body feel how long does it take you to recover from you know giving birth before you could <laughs> use your abdominal muscles like whatever you'd ask all these questions some of which um you could have researched ahead of time right but you opted not to and there i think that there is a, a time and place where that's valuable because you don't already have preconceived notion of what someone's going to say. Like you just kind of wipe the slate clean and you're, you're giving your attention a hundred percent to the people you're talking to and observing so that you don't let your yourself be influenced by whatever else you've read or seen. And, and in, in our health and wellness space, I think that this is not the best tactic, but I wanted to throw it out there because I know we have other kinds of entrepreneurs listening as well. And for some of you, if that, if that rings true, it may be an interesting technique to use. It's if you're going into a brand new industry or you're researching a brand new industry that you know nothing about, this may be an interesting place to start. It's not something I was ever comfortable doing as a, as a business owner or an entrepreneur. And I think most people can't pull this off, but for some people it works. <laughs> and, it, and it might be a blend too. Like you might do some research, yeah. uh, a lot of research to get a good understanding, but then kind of ask those really basic questions when you're talking to that person to understand what they do and get them talking and comfortable and sort of, you know, exposing more and more and more. So I don't know that it's all, you know, yeah, there, yeah, exactly. Like it, I think, I think like anything, it's not black and white. You can do a mixture, um, but I just, I, it's, it's helpful for learning sake to be able to have a framework for thinking about these different techniques. So yeah, anyway, absolutely. those, those are, those are just three that, that we've identified and worked with individually with, with our, you know, on our own and with folks that we've mentored. And so hopefully that proves useful to, to some of you. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is a tool designed to help you teach, train, and coach from anywhere on the planet. If you're a wellness professional looking to take your business to the next level, you can learn more at namastream.com. To kind of finish the conversation about sleuthing, there are some actual techniques for you to use to get more data. And some of these I... I think are going to be obvious and some of them might be new to you. So this is, these are specific, like five specific techniques that you can use to get more data from your market um, and from your client base or your potential client base. So the first is really kind of obvious. It's Facebook group stalking. Just about everyone has a Facebook group in the world now, including us. <laughs> Soulful MBA on Facebook. You can find us there. And I think you know, there's nothing wrong with kind of lurking around, joining a bunch of Facebook groups and lurking and watching other people's conversations. People, a lot of people will post questions or concerns about something in a Facebook group and then a bunch of other people will answer, right? And it's really helpful information. 
And if you're just, um, again, wanting to create a new product that's specifically niched down for a, a certain group of people, I would encourage you, like if you want to create products for you know, people who have like a nutrition product for gluten intolerant people or people celiac, like you want to join a bunch of Facebook groups for people who have celiac disease or who are, you know, gluten free and watch their conversations unfold. Give yourself the the time to sit there and do that. And I mean, obviously, if you feel inclined, participate, but you don't need to like, this is really just for you to mine data. And I, there's, it's easy to join there. It's really easy to join a bunch of Facebook groups. There's nothing wrong with going into these groups and learning from people. And I think you can even just search inside the group. You can use the search bar. And if there's a specific topic that you want to see, uh, you know, what the conversations have been around, you can just put that word in and all the, you know, it'll filter it for you and you can just go through all the data there and learn what people are saying. Yeah. Good for copywriting. Yeah. Facebook groups. <laughs> so that's sort of obvious. And then another one that some of you might use already is Quora. So Q-U-O-R-A. And Quora is a question and answer site online. And it's a place where you can kind of log in through social media, like through Facebook or Google, I think. And it's a place where people ask questions like, who's ever tried this product? And then somebody will answer or like a whole bunch of people will chime in and answer. And you can kind of follow your friends who are asking questions and, the, and see what questions they're asking. If you're not on Quora and you are an entrepreneur, I highly recommend that you do it. I don't really ever post on there, but I do go on there and lurk and look at questions people are asking. So for example, when we were when we were starting Namastream, like maybe six months in, and we were really working on our gear guide, which is an opt-in that we use um, for the site, like ha- what gear should I use to film yoga classes or fitness classes, basically. I found a bunch of people asking questions about what what camera should I use to film myself teaching yoga, right? So, and then I saw the answers people were giving, and then I saw follow-up questions. So it helps me know like what it helped me anticipate what questions people were going to have when we were launching our company. And also help me learn like from the answers that other people were giving it, it, you can go down a rabbit hole there, but that's just one example of how I've used Quora, but you can see if you go on Quora and like you ask, like, what are you search for? What are the best fitness classes online? Or should I, should I do yoga at home? Or what do I need to know about doing yoga at home? There's a lot of people that have asked these questions on Quora and there's a lot of answers. So it would behoove you to maybe spend even an hour going onto Quora and just, trying to channel what you think your quintessential client would be curious about and then type those questions in and then see what, see what you can find. Another similar site is Reddit. So Reddit is considered to be the front page of the internet. (laughs) Reddit is a little bit geeky. I know that there's probably not a lot of folks in listening here who, who use Reddit, but I, it's, it's similar to Quora, but it's essentially like you can follow like certain themes like yoga is a theme on Reddit and you can learn a lot about what people are posting about and interested in. And then the fourth tactic is surveys. So if you do have a community of following a class, a studio, any group of people in say your own Facebook group, you should constantly be going and getting data from those people, at least like quarterly or every six months. Um, and it's really easy to do a survey in a Facebook group. It's really easy to do a survey in type form and send it out to your email list or to even do a pen and paper survey if you have a yoga studio or you're a teacher in one and you can give it out to your class. So that's available, I think, to anyone who has any kind of community. You can you can go ahead and do a survey yourself. And then the, finally, the fifth the fifth tactic that we like to advise folks to use is just an ask me anything on social media. So an AMA. 
So you can do this on Twitter. You can do this in Facebook. Um, you could even do it on an Instagram post. You can just put up a prompt that says like, it's Tuesday today. Ask me any questions you have about X topic that I'm an expert in. And two days from now, I'm going to come back on and I'm either going to do a video live and answer the questions or I'm going to type in the answers on this thread, right? And so it's a way for you to figure out what questions your potential community or your existing community has and then to give them answers. And that's a service to those people, but it's also like a really great tool for you to have available to you to learn about what people need. Mm -hmm. And can I add, I'm going to add one more to your list in that. Oh, add it, <laughs> add it on. <laughs> Number six. Number six is just pick up the phone and have a real life, you know, conversation. Yeah. And yeah. that is intimidating. I know. And if you're building an online business, I think we all tend to fall back sitting at our desk in our own little world, just, you know, hiding behind our screens. But, um, I think if you've got some relationships with clients or potentials, I think there's nothing wrong with, you know, doing a little, a little chat with them. And that's how you yeah. built Namstream. And that's how I built connectable.biz is by getting on the actual phone and setting, you know, using a service like Calendly or something and setting up a schedule, a uh, phone call and just, and just having that, that in-person conversation and the rapport that's built and the, you know, they start to like you and they start to know you. So if you do come back with an offering at some point, they're so much more likely to purchase from you, which ultimately is kind of the goal. But I just, I can't emphasize enough that, that fear around cold calling sometimes it, maybe it's not necessarily mm -hmm. cold, cold calling. Uh, it's hard. And I know, I know some of our teachers that they, they will phone, like have a conversation with some of their students and just to see what they want and just do that research. And I think that's just, I think we, we don't talk about that enough. Yeah. And I know even in the software, in the tech space, there are a number of founders that still have, you know, at least one conversation a week with a customer and it just keeps them in the game. And I mean, I, I always feel happy and grounded when I am able to take time and talk to our clients. Like I'm always like, oh my gosh, it's, oh, it gets to the point where it's overwhelming and it's all I did for a year and a half every day was talk to clients and prospective clients. And now I don't do it very much. Um, but when I do do it, it's like, it's like this beautiful, rewarding, happy, glowing feeling, right? Because I'm, I'm connecting with people that I deeply care about and want to serve and have a relationship with financial and otherwise. And I, I'm always, I, I feel like my expectations are kind of always exceeded with those, with those conversations. And it's honestly, it's the only way I think in this other than in person face to face, it's the only way to really maintain a human connection. You don't need to do it all the time, but I think you, you do need to allow for it sometimes. Um, and it's also like, I think it's really good practice to do things that are hard, like cold calling people or cold mm -hmm. emailing people and, and trying to set up a conversation and, and going out and asking, it's really asking for something. It's, it's something that like they don't owe you, right? So you're putting yourself on the line and, and often getting rejected. I think it's good practice for entrepreneurship <laughs> to to put yourself out there like that. And make and do it uncomfortable. That yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, that kind of leads me into our like our joy and hustle for the week, Sandy. That hmm. that relates pretty much directly to our joy, which we didn't totally plan on. Every week we talk about, or every episode actually, we talk about a joy and hustle. So our blog is called Joy and Hustle. For those of you who don't know, our newsletter is called Joy and Hustle. And we, I think our entire approach to business is looking at 
the joyful aspects and then like kind of the difficult <laughs> tactical, like hustling aspects of business and, and, and the juxtaposition of those two things is I think what we're constantly striving for is having some kind of balance between that, those aspects of running a business and being entrepreneurs. So every episode we feature one tool, idea, book, show, podcast, conference, you know, one thing that brings us joy related to the topic and one one thing that brings us the ability to hustle a little bit better. So our joy for this week is a TED Talk by Shonda Rhimes, um, and it's actually her book also, but I actually haven't read the book yet. I just, I got it from Audible. It's on my phone, but I, I have watched her TED Talk many times on this topic, and her book is called The Year of Yes, and the TED Talk is is on the same topic, and it's called My Year of Saying Yes to Everything. And it's a TED Talk that she um, recorded in February of 2016. And and for those of you who don't know Shonda Rhimes, she is the writer and the creator of um, Grey's Anatomy and Scandal. And she's a, a hugely popular, gifted television producer and writer. She also did how to, she, how to Get Away with Murder. Yeah. I think that's what it's called. That's that. good. It's real, It's a horrible title. I, I didn't watch it because of the title, but I, I yes. ended up watching it on Netflix and I really did enjoy it. Yeah, it's great. Huh. Yeah. Oh, good to know. Yeah. She's this incredibly gifted person. You should research her as just kind of like a, a kick-ass female, like in business. <laughs> but beyond that, this TED Talk is really powerful because she's talking about this year where she just decided to like take risks and be open to new things and how it's kind of shifted her life and her perspective. So if you haven't seen it, we'll link to it in the show notes. And if even if you have seen it, I encourage you to listen to it or watch it again because she's awesome. And I will be in the next month or so finishing that audiobook, listening to it and finishing that audiobook. It's been on my list for a long time. Yeah, I'm so going to get that. Our joy. I'm going to get that for sure because I yeah. think she's an amazing person. What I heard her interviewed... And I, I remember distinctly her describing that this whole idea of balance is just nonsense and that when she goes yeah. hard, she goes hard and she's, you know, doing a show. She hardly sees her kids. She doesn't eat well, just goes, you know, life goes off the rails, but she's doing something that is just happening right now. And then she takes moments where she like spends time with her kids and gets her life back. Like it's sort of a flip flopping to each extreme, but this whole notion of balance she doesn't believe in. But anyway, that's an aside. I am doing The Hustle this week, and our hustle is a book by our, I'm going to say friend, we met him, Pat Flynn. He's a big influence in our lives, um, Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income. He recently wrote a book, I guess it was last year, Jenny? Yeah, last year, This about this uh, yeah, time Yeah, about a year ago called Will It Fly? And the whole book is he highlights sort of almost like case studies of businesses that have done a lot of research and validation on their idea before they launched. And I am happy and proud to say that Jenny was included in that book for Namastream uh, because of the extensive research that she did with the yoga studios before launching the software. So I think that's a real feather in your cap. And it, it's, it was really amazing to be included in that book. And I think it's a great example uh, if you're looking at to be inspired by um, businesses that 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 work in this way, that do the research upfront before launching, there's some really great examples in there. And you were the only female in that book, right? Yeah, we'll just always point that out. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's <laughs> yeah. There's I think there are five case studies, and where Namastream is one of them. And very very grateful to be included in that in that book, and very grateful to Pat Flynn, who's a wonderful human being and friend of ours. Um, so, you know, that's a little plug. I am glad you included that, Sandy, because I would be 
nervous to talk about <laughs> it because we're in it, but everyone should check it out. And yeah, it's will it fly. And I think it was like the top entrepreneurship book on Amazon last year for a while too. So it's, it, he, Pat's awesome. He spent a lot of time with his podcast, obviously talking to entrepreneurs and learning about what works and doesn't work. And so he's, he's an, he's become an expert at validating business ideas and he teaches it really well. So yeah, go have a look at that. And I just think for, for those of you who have made it to the end, I know that this conversation was maybe a little bit more, um, I don't know, tactical than some of our other conversations, but this is really the balance in business and in entrepreneurship. It's like taking the time to invest in learning something new. And I I think we went through the content a little bit quickly. For those of you who want to learn more, of course, our Soulful MBA premium course and community is available to you. You can learn more about that at soulful.mba, but you can also just re-listen and, you know, take notes and see, see if this proves useful to you in, in your business endeavors. I really encourage you not to skip over this part. I think in many ways, this is the most important part of entrepreneurship. Like once you get this right, like once you really know what your market wants, you can have a lot more, like it doesn't nothing else matters as much. Like, you know what you need to build and how you build it. There's a million ways for how to build it and architect it and what kind of way to offer it to those people. But, but like give yourself in the investment of taking the time to really learn about your market and your quintessential clients and understand them and give yourself the gift of that fresh perspective. So I, I cannot emphasize it enough. Um, it's an incredibly useful tool to know how to do this. And I think it, it carries over to other aspects of your life too. Like it, for me, I feel like it makes me a better parent. It makes me a better partner and makes me a better friend. So, you know, give yourself that, that gift if you, if you can, if you're inclined. Yeah, that's great. All right, folks. Well, thanks for joining us and we will see you next time on the Soulful MBA podcast. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Soulful MBA is not just the name of our podcast, it's also the name of our premium business course and community. If you are a wellness entrepreneur who dreams of growing your business online, but you're not clear on your next steps and you wish you had someone to guide you, then we've got something for you. Get Soulful MBA's first syllabus and three free video lessons by heading over to soulful.mba sample.